I've shared in the past that my dad uh, was a pastor for 42 years. He just retired two years ago uh, from being a pastor. He was a pastor at one church for 36 years. And, and as you can imagine, uh, being a pastor for that long in the church that he was a pastor in, there's all kinds of stories that, that he would share. And so he, he told us a story about one Sunday morning. He's up front and he's talking. He's doing a sermon. But part of it is he's, he's talking about this mission trip the church has just gone on. And he was a part of that. The church supported a missionary down in the Dominican Republic and, uh, and basically paid for his salary and for the medical equipment because he, he was a doctor there in that area. So dad's talking about the Dominican Republic and everything that they experienced there. One of the older ladies, she leaned over to a friend of hers and she said, hey, did he say he was a Democrat or a Republican? <laughs> Dominican Republic, you get it? Okay. I always laugh at that one. I don't know what the deal is. Anyway. Today we continue the series called Guardrails. And if you haven't been here over the past few weeks, these guardrails are things that are part of our road system, right? They're, they're almost invisible because we really don't notice them until the moment we need them. And so they are there to keep us out of those danger zones of life, those danger zones when we, when we drive. Now, we also have painted lines, right? And painted lines, they're there, and they kind of say, hey, there's a warning here. There's consequences if you pass us, but you get to make that choice if you want to keep going or not. But we're, real, we're really not going to stop you no matter what you do. But a guardrail says, no, I am here to protect you and maybe even to save your life. And so over the past few weeks, we've been talking about guardrails and painted lines that we have in life. Painted lines when it comes to relationships and finances. Painted lines when it comes to guardrails. Uh, when it come, or excuse me, guardrails when it comes to painted lines. <laughs> guardrails when it comes to relationships and finances. I'm so excited about today's topic. I can't even wait. Let me tell you. And so last week we talked about finances, and you guys were like, couldn't get any lower, right? Today we're going to talk about politics. There you go. We're going to talk about political guardrails. The reason's pretty simple. If you look at our political landscape right now, here's what you find. We probably need some. And here's what's so amazing to me when it comes to a topic like politics. Um, everyone has an opinion, don't they? And in fact, here's the even bigger part of that. Not only does everyone have an opinion, everyone is an expert. But here's the, here's the question I have. If that's so true, if, if I'm so right and you're so wrong or you're so right and, and I'm so wrong, why doesn't everybody agree then? Well, it's because the political system is one of those things that are in place that are really in many ways is very, very confusing. And we struggle with it. We try to figure it out. And in fact, if you think about our political context right now and our landscape, uh, there's a lot of anger. There, there's a lot of tension uh, there are words that are said, words that are written, words that are typed in, hatred, all kinds of, of emotions and feelings are a part of, of politics today. And, and so this wasn't even supposed to be a part of our guardrail series. And over the past couple of weeks, I just felt like, hey, I think this is something we need to talk about. And so over the next few moments, we're going to talk about this tension that we feel when it comes to something like politics. Tim Keller is an author and a pastor, and he wrote a book called Counterfeit Gods. Here's what he wrote. He said, after the last presidential election, this was a couple of presidential elections ago, he said, my 84-year-old mother observed, it used to be that whoever was elected as your president, even if it wasn't the one you voted for, he was still your president. That doesn't seem to be the case any longer. 
Here's the question. If you and I are followers of Christ, then how do we respond to something like politics? Now, some of you here this morning, you're not a follower of Christ. Here's the cool part, sort of. You don't have to play it by the same rules that thus those of us that are followers of Christ do. And some of you right now are followers of Christ, and you're thinking, maybe I need to back off of this for a little bit. And, you know, the election's coming up in a couple of days. But that's not the right attitude to have. Our attitude has to change when it comes to something like politics. Because I believe all of us could learn something from what we're going to talk about today in our lives so that we can have political guardrails in place and so over the next few moments, we're going to talk about two things you're never supposed to talk about in any kind of context whatsoever, right? <laughs> Politics and faith. And again, if we're followers of Christ, how does that play out for you and for I, for you and for me? Well, there's got to be a starting point. Here's the starting point for, for us. Some of you in this room, you have dual citizenships, right? And it's kind of neat because you were born in a different place, your parents were born in a different place, and so you, you carry this dual citizenship, and someone who doesn't have that, I kind of look at that, and that's kind of a neat thing to have. But if we're followers of Jesus, you and I, we have dual citizenships ourselves because we are citizens of earth, but we're also citizens of, of heaven. And so when we put those two together, I think it really helps us understand the political guardrails we need to have in place in our lives. But we can only do that when we understand what that citizenship looks like. This morning, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture out of the book of Romans. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 13. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today. Romans chapter 13. Um, if you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the seats in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those. Uh, you can also follow along on your Journey Church app. You can take notes there, and you can also take notes on your program this morning. But Romans chapter 13, starting with verse 1, here's what it says. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, here's Paul who, who's writing these words here in, in Romans chapter 13. And he's like, hey, this whole government thing, this political process, here's the deal. God established it. And we're kind of like, thanks, God, I think. We struggle with it. But it needed to be in place. Because if we go back to the beginning of Scripture in Genesis 1, we find that there's humankind. God has created humans. He's given them this garden. He says, hey, here's one thing you can't do. Everything else you're free to do. Have fun. Enjoy this place. Live it up here. And so they do that for a while, but then they finally cave in. They give in to that sin. They eat from that tree, and they're kicked out. And guess what? They have to learn to live together. And here's the deal. One of the things that we know about people is we have a really hard time living together, Right? We have a really hard time living together. And if we look at scripture, if we look at ancient history, if we look at our current times, we all struggle with living together. And so back in the day, some people got together and like, hey, this isn't working very well. We, we need to put some boundaries in place and have some laws and regulations. And so some people got together and they said, let's, let's lead this. And so they created these governments and these governments are there. And their purpose is to keep us out of these chaotic states, to kind of put up these guardrails. Sometimes there's painted lines. But to put up these guardrails to protect us, to keep us out of the danger zones. And Paul's saying, all of that's been established by God. Now, let me give you a little background about Paul here and who he is writing to. Paul is writing this letter while he's in a place called Corinth. And um, in Rome, there are these Jewish Christians and these Gentile Christians. And they're actually part of this very thriving church. 
But the, 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 the cool part is Paul didn't actually start this church. Uh, they think this church came out of the day of Pentecost, uh, that a group of people heard the stories of Jesus, they became followers of Christ, and then they took that, that information, they, they took that story, and they went back to Rome, and they started this church, and this church was thriving, it was doing really, really well. And so Paul was kind of excited because he actually wanted to meet these Christians. He wanted to meet these people because he had heard about the church. He wanted to bring them his financial gift. And so he wanted to go see them. He wanted to meet them. And then he was going to take off and go to a place called Spain because Spain was kind of like the spiritual frontier at that time. And Paul was an entrepreneur. He wanted to go plant more churches and he thought Spain was the next stop for him. But he wanted to stop in Rome to meet these people, to hang out with them, to get to know them. And so he writes this letter to them to tell them a little bit about himself, but to tell them a little bit about the authorities, to tell them a little bit about uh, just encouragement encouraging them as Christians and some of the things that he's heard back and so as Paul liked to do he would respond to people within the letter setting and so he writes this letter to them to encourage them but to also give them a little feedback on what's happening because religiously and politically there was a lot of tension in, in Rome R religiously the Jews and the Christians at one point in time had actually been kicked out of Rome I, I think it was by Caligula they kicked the, the, the Jews and Romans out because they, they were causing problems they were fighting each other. They were rioting, rioting against each other. Even some of the Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians were, were battling each other. So there was this tension there. But now they had been let back in. But Nero was becoming the emperor. And so we know, if you know your history, you know a little bit about Nero. So persecution was on the way. But then you had political tension that was there. There was this political tension between, again, the Jews and the Christians and the Roman government at that time. And so you get the political tension that's there. You've got this religious tension that's there. And some say that the Christians were kind of in the midst of, of all of this taking place and are causing these issues. And so Paul reminds them, look, they're your authorities. They've been established by God. They're there. And so your role as a follower of Christ is to listen to them, to honor them, to respect them because God has placed them there. He says this in verse 2. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. Paul's like, any unwarranted rebellion against the government, it's like it's against God's will. That, that's not what God wants from you. You're rebelling against God. Even if you don't agree with the government, even if you don't agree with the policies, even if you don't agree with the leaders, government is in place because of God. And when you follow the rules and the regulations and the laws, you are in God's will. So he's reminding these Christians of their role. And then he says this in verse 4. He says, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Paul says, hey, if you follow the laws, you follow the rules, you're in good shape. If you don't, if you don't, then the government holds the power of the sword. The government has the ability to punish you for when you go against the laws and when you go against the regulations that are in place. Again, Paul is reminding these followers of Christ, God has established governments to reward those who do good and to punish those who do evil. And I know right now some of us are thinking in our heads, well, what about this country and this leader? I get that. If you think about it, if you look at history, those powers or those people in power where they, they kind of do the opposite, you find they don't last very long in power. 
And Paul was reminding the people in Rome that the government's role is to protect them, to oversee them, to reward and to punish. And so again, to respect and honor. Verse 5. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. I think throughout Romans 13 here, Paul's point is be a good citizen. Wherever you live, whoever's in charge, whether you agree with policies or not, whether you agree with a platform or not, whether you agree with a leader or not, your role is to submit to those authority, to pay your taxes, to pay your revenue, to respect and honor those in leadership. And if we do that, we are being a good earthly citizen. Something has changed in the past few years. I think politics have always been chaotic. I don't think this is something new, by the way. But we have more avenues to express how we feel, to express our emotions, thanks to social media, thanks to our phones that are little computers with cameras on them. I mean, we can share those emotions and the feelings that we have about our leaders that are in place or the potential leaders that may come into power. And so we do that. And when we do that, many times we bring that, that hatred and anger within those moments. I have two really close friends of mine from uh, our time in New Jersey. And um, one of them is very much for our president and the other one is very much against our, our president. And our current president, and um, it's, it's funny to me because one of them will post their feeling, and the other one's like, it's like they're waiting on Facebook for them to post something. They just jump right on. And so they go back and forth. Like they're going back and forth, and it's very vivid and, and very colorful language that's being expressed. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what are you guys doing? Because most of the time I just laugh at it because I'm like, these are two adult men. I can't believe they're doing this. But, but here's what it really bothers me. Both of them claim to be followers of Christ. And yet as I read their posts and I read their rebuttals and I read this arguments going back and forth, I'm thinking to myself, I don't think this is what a follower of Christ is supposed to do. I don't think this is how a follower of Christ is supposed to react or act or what they're supposed to say. I feel like we've gotten to this place where we feel free to just kind of share our feelings and emotions because, hey, we can get on Facebook, we can go to Twitter, we can Snapchat, or we can do whatever. And so we allow ourselves to be free and yet Paul's like, no, 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 no. You're free, but that also means you have to be a good citizen. And so maybe for my friends, and maybe even for many of us, we need to go back and read Romans 13 over and over and over again, because I'm afraid we've forgotten how to respect and honor our leaders that we have in place. We've forgotten how to be good earthly citizens. Again, Paul is right there in a culture and a time that's way, way different than what we are right now, the one we're living in. We, we think this is tough. We think this is hard. Paul's like, hey, I know you're being persecuted. I, I know people don't really care for you as a follower of Christ. I know this is tough. I know you don't agree with the leadership. I know you wish someone else was in power. But here's the deal. As a follower of Jesus, you are still called to respect and honor those in leadership and the platforms and the policies that are in place, be a good earthly citizen. I know some of you are here today and you're hearing that, you're like, dude, that's hard. 
This is how I feel about filling the blank with every politician. You want to throw in the blank there. This is what I feel about that party. This is what I feel about those, th that platform and those issues. I get that. But we are still called to be good earthly citizens. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, if that's the case, and this is how I feel, then what are the political guardrails that need to be put in place so that I can make sure I don't find myself in the danger zone? Because more than likely, if you've responded to someone on Facebook in a way that's different than what they believe, you probably got defriended, right? And there's probably family members, maybe even married to the person, they don't talk to you anymore because of your political views on certain things, right? We have to have political guardrails in place to protect us. And we have a huge, huge amount of freedom here in our nation. And at the same time, that doesn't mean we can always say what we feel. Sometimes we have to say, okay, I need a guardrail here. And so I want to spend our next few moments talking about three specific political guardrails that I believe can be very powerful for us as we look at the political landscape that we're a part of. The first one is this. It comes out of Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Paul writes, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. I believe Paul gives us our first political guardrail here, and it's pretty simple. Love others first. Love others first. No matter who our leaders are, because there at the very end, Paul says, love does no harm to a neighbor. I think as we've looked, or we look at specifically political candidates, we don't see them as human anymore, do we? They're like from some other world. Like literally, we think they're from some other world. But they're human beings. They're just like you and they're just like me. One of the best instances of this for me was back in, uh, I think it was 2012 election cycle. Um, president Obama was our president and, and he was battling against Mitt Romney. And um, it was their first debate. And so they finished the debate and some say Romney won that first debate. And, and then Michelle Obama comes up on, on stage and she's, she, she doesn't look happy, right? She's, she's kind of got this frown on her face. And, and it wasn't because they, you know, he lost that first debate. It was because it was their anniversary night, all right? And she's like, dude, it's our anniversary. This is really what you planned for the whole world to see this while it's our anniversary. And so she comes up on stage, and you know, I think she's pretty upset about that. But, but Mitt Romney's family comes up on stage next. And I'll never forget this. One of his granddaughters, and I think she was middle teenager age, she walks, walks up on, on stage, and all of a sudden you see this huge smile on her face. And it's not because her grandfather may have just won a debate, okay? It's because she was meeting the president of the United States right there in that moment. And as I watched that, I thought to myself, these are human beings. These are humans. They're people, just like you and I. And they got flaws, and they're not perfect. But you know what? Again, we are called to respect and honor them. And as Paul says here, we are called to love them as our neighbors because they are humans like you and I. He says, remember, love them. Just like Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And yet in a politically toxic environment, we like to pour more fuel on the fire instead of saying, hey, I don't agree with you. Maybe I don't even like you. You make my skin crawl. You don't really say those things, but you tell them, 
I love you. Because as a follower of Christ, as a citizen of earth, I am called to love you. And so I believe our first political guardrail is to love others no matter what. Here's the second political guardrail. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our leaders. Again, whether you like them or not, whether you voted for them or not, whether you agree with them or not, pray for them. I'm going to ask you three questions, and these are rhetorical. I don't want you to raise your hand or to nod or say anything. I just want you to think about these three questions real quick. First, um, how many of us in this room have prayed for the elections that are coming up on, on Tuesday? Not on Monday, as I put in the email I sent out to you guys this week. So if you go to the polls tomorrow, I don't think anybody's going to be there. Have you prayed for the election? And, and then here's the second question I want you to, to think internally. Have you prayed for your candidate? Now, not to win. Right? Like, God, if you let my candidate win, I will go to church every single Sunday for at least two months in a row. I will do it. I'll give an extra dollar every week. I mean, just... That's not what I'm talking about, okay? I'm talking about have you actually prayed for them? Have you prayed for them as a person? Have you prayed for them spiritually? If they're married, have you prayed for their marriage? If they've got kids, have you prayed for their kids? Have you prayed for the relationships that they have? See, sometimes we just pray, hey, God, let them win. And we forget about them as humans, as people. Are we praying for who they are? And here's the real tough question. Have you prayed for the other candidate? Have you prayed for the one that's against your party and against your platform and that you don't really like and makes your skin crawl? Have you prayed for them? Hey, guess what? They're human too. And I don't mean, have you prayed, God, let them get hurt before this happens or God, let them lose or give them some shingles or some disease so they're out of the competition. That's not what I'm talking about. Some of you have prayed those prayers. Let's be honest. Have you prayed for them as a human being? Have you stopped and prayed for them for protection? For them spiritually. If they're married, have you prayed for their marriage? Have you prayed for their kids? Oh, my guess is that most of us have never prayed that prayer. Because we're so in it to win it type thing, right? It's all about winning. It's all about my candidate. And we forget. These are humans. And Paul's like, hey, I got an idea. Pray for them. Pray for our leaders. He writes this to one of his students, a guy named Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Paul says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Again, Paul is writing these words to Timothy and he says, Timothy, pray. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those in power. Pray for those that you don't agree with. Pray for peace. And more than anything, pray that they would come to know who Jesus is. Again, if we look at this time frame when Paul is writing Romans and, and, and Timothy, um, Nero is getting ready to become the emperor. And, um, and these are tough times. They're going to be really tough times for for those that are followers of Christ. Now, there have been bad times before, but they're really getting ready to get bad in that culture for Christians at that time because Nero is known for his persecution. He's known to go into people's homes, just pull them out as Christians, like, hey, you're a Christian? Here's what we're going to do to you. We're going to behead you right now. 
We're going to crucify you. Or worse yet, they would light them on fire outside of parties, and they were kind of the torches for walkways for people to, to see where they were going, and people would laugh at this. And Paul's like, pray for Nero. And the people there are like, well, are we supposed to pray for him? I mean, this doesn't sound like this is what we're supposed to do. Paul's like, no, you need to pray for him. That's what you're called to do. That's what God invites you to do. Pray for those in power. I don't know. I think maybe this is the biggest political guardrail you and I can put in place. To pray for our leaders. To pray for those in power. To pray for the, the people that may hold different views than we do. And that's one of those things that we can start doing today. Praying for our leaders. No matter whether we agree with them or not. We voted for them or not. But to pray for them. Love them. Pray for them. Political guardrail number three. Stop living in fear. Uh, sometimes when um, we get this spiritual void in our life where we kind of lose focus on Christ um, and, and we struggle with our faith and we really stop following Jesus, we get a spiritual void. And here's what we do. That void doesn't stay empty. We fill it with something. And I think for a lot of people, when that spiritual void is there, Politics becomes the thing to fill that, that void. And so political leaders become the Messiah. Policies become the doctrine. And activism really becomes our religion. And so those are the things that we kind of put inside of us. And, and here's what happens. When our party or our platform or our people, when they lose, man, if that's what we have all our hope in, we go into a funk, don't we? I mean, we, we lose our minds in, in, in those, those moments and the next thing that happens is that fear takes over and fear builds up inside of us. And so the end is near, right? The, the sky is falling. We, we threaten to move. We threaten to cause problems all because of this fear that we hold on to because our Savior isn't Jesus. Our Savior is that person. It's that platform. Again, it's those policies. And so we live in fear. And many people have that as their spiritual void, and it fills that void. And Paul's like, look, but understand, God's still in control. Your person may not have won. Your policies may not have been passed, but God is still in control. And even though it may be hard, you can't let fear continue to lead you. Because not only are you a citizen of earth, but you're also a citizen of heaven. And Paul writes these words to the church in Philippi, Philippians 1.27. Whatever happens, as citizens of heaven, live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together with one accord for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Paul's saying you're free. If you follow Jesus, you are free. And again, we look at our current political landscape and we think, well, that's not my party, that's not my person, those aren't my policies, I'm not free, I'm being held back. I said this a couple weeks ago, we kind of make things a lot bigger than they are in some ways because we did not experience what Paul and these people did back in those days. Paul's leaders were Caligula. If you know much about him, he wasn't a very good, good emperor to those that were beginning to follow Christ. And then it was Claudius, and he wasn't that great. He was kind of bumbling, I think, in many ways. Um, but then you had Nero. 
And Paul is writing these words in that time frame, in that context. And he's like, look, stop living in fear. Because if you are a follower of Christ, God is in control. You're not just a citizen of heaven then, or excuse me, of earth. You are a citizen of heaven. Which means we no longer have to live in fear. I think that guardrail is very powerful for us to remember we have to stop living in fear and start focusing on Jesus and fill that spiritual void, not with a party or a platform or a person, but, but with Christ. And to stop living in that fear that I think many people do. Now, we're in this election cycle right now. We vote in a couple of days. Um, here in Virginia, we vote for a senator. We vote for representatives. Uh, there's governorships that are being voted on and, and just all kinds of, of different people looking to become our, our leaders. But they're always someone in power, okay? It's not just for a couple of days and then we forget about this. It's, it's, there's always someone in power. And, and no matter what you think about our past presidents or our current president, no matter what you think about our governors, our senators, our, our representatives, our local officials, Paul reminds us that our first job, if we're a follower of Christ, is that we are a citizen of heaven, which means we love them. We love them like our neighbors because we don't harm our neighbors. We love them like our neighbors and that we spend our time praying for them, whether we agree with them or not. And more importantly, that we stop living in fear because not only are we citizens of this earth, we are also citizens of, of heaven. And yet too many times we live in fear. And when it comes to politics, I think for many of us, we have those painted lines. We have no political guardrails, and, and it shows. And, and the way that we, we respond and react and what we write and what we say. But we need to get rid of those lines and put in those guardrails. We, we need to stop living with the spiritual void and, and putting all our trust and hope in a person and a platform and policies and putting it in Jesus. Now, Maybe you're here right now and you're thinking, I'm telling you, and Paul's saying, don't be political. I don't think that's the case at all. Be political. It's one of the amazing freedoms we have here in the United States. And many of you in this room, you have, you've given so much of your, your time and your life to protecting that, and we're appreciative of that. Be political. It can be fun. It can be enjoyable. And you know what? Sometimes your candidate loses. And it's okay to say, that's not what I wanted but I'm gonna love that person and I'm gonna pray for that person and I'm gonna stop living in fear. On Tuesday, go vote. Enjoy the process. Honestly, I'll just be honest with you, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care what party you're a part of because there's something bigger in play and something bigger at stake than government. And it's all about God. We are earthly citizens. And Paul says, be a good earthly citizen, but don't forget your true citizenship's not here. It's in heaven. And that's the citizenship that I hope you and I can hold on to. And we can live our lives being examples of that to the world around us. That's what Paul was getting at. Hey, there's all this stuff going on. Be the citizen that God has called you to be on earth and be ready for that citizenship in heaven. That's my prayer for you and for me. Again, today, begin to pray for your candidates and your policies and, and let God do what God's gonna do. But hold on to that citizenship that's in heaven for you and for me.